From Transperfect and A to Z Productions, this is Next. I'm Zelina Khan, your host. Support for this podcast comes from Transperfect, a family of companies providing language services and technology solutions for global businesses. Connect your brand to the world and visit transperfect.com. Hi, everyone. Here we are with season three with a brand new set of guests to give you insight in developing not only your business, but also yourselves. Hopefully, these discussions will help make you a better leader, a better employee, and an all-around better person. Burnout, anxiety, and my personal favorite, imposter syndrome. These are just some of the feelings that can drive fear in the workplace. I know I've surely faced it, and sometimes I experience these feelings tenfold because not only am I a woman, but I'm a woman of color. I chatted with entrepreneur and wellness coach Charlene Light on how to identify your fears and make a plan to conquer them. After soul-searching and working in the corporate world, Charlene realized she had something else to offer, specifically when it came to helping others lean into their fears and turning them into an advantage. Be sure to listen to the end for a special offer from Charlene. Hi, Charlene. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us. Oh, my pleasure. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk to you. Yes, I think we need people with your expertise now more than ever. So I kind of want to just jump into it. I think fear is a, a common you know, thread that has surrounded us this last year and a half. And I'm really interested in a lot of what you talk about and how we can apply it into a corporate setting and a professional setting and how we can just apply it to life. But I, I definitely want to learn a little bit about you first before we jump into anything. So you used to actually work in a corporate setting, right? So what spurred the shift? Like, how did you get into becoming a fearless coach? Well, I think like a lot of us, I grew up in a very traditional family um, setting where both my parents really instilled the importance of education and getting a good job and making money and having a 401k and getting married, like all the very conventional values that I think are very American. So inside, as a little girl, I was very creative. I wanted to be a singer. I wanted to be a teacher. Like I had 5,000 things that I wanted to do. And because I got that message that being an artist wasn't something that was profitable, I kind of kept it a secret. So it was like this hidden dream that I had that I knew one day, maybe after I finished college, because college was such a big deal for my family, I knew that one day I could pursue it on my own terms. So once I finished college, that's exactly what I did. I was doing recordings while I had a full-time job. I worked at Sony Music. My first job was in music because I always wanted to be like getting in on the behind the scenes. So to educate myself. So I wasn't just like another artist trying to make it. So I was trying to kind of achieve my parents' dream and then my dream at the same time. And one day I just thought, oh, I'm going to get a record deal. There's this joke, like you make a plan and God laughs, right? So it's, I had this idea of how my life was going to go. And slowly but surely, well, I should just say that I did all the things that I wanted to do. And then I got to a place around um, 29 after working for five years at this job. And I was like, what am I actually doing with my life? I'm not doing something day to day that makes me happy. I don't want to just keep collecting a paycheck and feeling like I'm not feeding my passion. So I ended up quitting my job, deciding to move to New York and pursue my dream full time. And when I did that, it's interesting, we talk about fear, right? And the minute that you have no nothing to fall back on, that's when all your fears show up to the 10th degree. I was just running from every part-time job I can get. And all of my insecurity started to really show up. So 
through that process in, I just, after a year and a half, I got really drained from trying to make a living doing what I loved. It wasn't happening the way that I thought. So I picked up a book called Marianne Williamson's A Return to Love. And we talked about this a little bit. I love her. And that book really shifted my whole perception on the way I was living my life. Before that, everything was about the external validation. Everything was about, you know, what do I have to show for this work that I'm doing? Why don't I have this many people at my show? I, had, I didn't make the connection yet. I wasn't self-aware that my thoughts were creating my reality. So me talking about not having people at my show, not getting a record deal, I kept perpetuating that because whatever we put energy towards, it grows. <laughs> the first thing that I did and actually that I give to my clients now is I started to create gratitude lists to really shift my thinking every day to become grateful for the things that I do have so that abundance can grow from there. And I still do this daily and this is over 12 years. So that was the first step. And then I decided, well, what else do I love? And I thought, well, maybe if I try yoga teacher training, I don't know if I want to be a teacher or even if I can make a career out of it, but I'm just going to follow this passion of mine and see what happens. Because I was already starting to build trust that all of this was here for me. So I went to yoga teacher training, became a yoga teacher. I taught everywhere. I taught in apartment buildings. I taught pregnant women. I was just saying yes, every opportunity I can get in front of people because I went in without a backup plan. And, and then I started to slowly but surely actually make a real success out of um, my career. And I was doing yoga retreats internationally to Peru and to Morocco, to Costa Rica. And I was doing workshops and it just became this beautiful dance between, I didn't have to change who I was. And every day felt like an adventure. It felt like it was really, uh, I really got to be my full self, which is really what I try to instill and teach in others, which is like, how can you feel the most alive every day? I love that. You brought up awareness a lot, which I think the last year and a half, all we had was time, time to do many things, time to be with yourself, time to be aware. Can you elaborate on what it means to be aware? Mm -hmm. It just means being aware of your thoughts. What are you thinking about all day? It, it, and I, it sounds, so there's the conscious mind, the conscious thoughts, which is, okay, I know I have to, it's sort of like you make lists all day of all the things you have to do. And then there's the subconscious mind, which actually is the part of us that runs the show, right? That's where we hold our, all of our belief systems and we create our reality through what we believe. And those beliefs are formed from ages zero to seven. So you're basically living your whole life based on those beliefs that you form. So when you start to pay attention, when you turn that light bulb on, which I think all of us were forced to do because we had nothing else and we had nowhere to go. And a lot of us really woke up, wait, I don't know if I'm really happy. And am I really living the life that I intended to? Because we all had this like beautiful divine pause where we weren't forced to be anywhere or do anything. All the things that kept us busy were gone. So it was a beautiful awakening, I think, for all of us to check in with what is it that we really want to do? The first and foremost is to pay attention to the thoughts that you're thinking. And the second thing would be when you're noticing something that triggers you, because it's never about the person, it's the pattern. So if somebody you're like, oh my God, I keep having the same relationship where I feel like I'm putting out so much more than I'm receiving. So now you're starting to see there's a pattern going on. So the question would be like, what is it about me that I keep attracting this kind of situation? Because we always want to point the finger on the other person, but it's really, we're creating it in some way. So 
Yeah, just turning that light bulb on. I think it kind of went two ways. There isn't a person that wasn't affected by the pandemic. I think about if, if many people lost their jobs, the people that didn't lose their jobs, they were probably working remotely well over 40 hours. And I think about how that went day to day for so many people. And in a corporate environment, I think it's easy for people to feel stuck or uninspired. Just now you mentioned with your career, oh, I said I was going to do this for X amount of time. And then it was years that actually ended up going by. For many people that are feeling stuck or uninspired, they don't have the resources to go to coaches, healers, alternative practice practitioners, which is why it's so great to have somebody like you on the show. Can you go into maybe what your first step is when you do bring on a, a client? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, I just want to back up because I didn't quite finish the full question when you asked me what made me become a fearless coach. When I turned 40, I had been teaching for like seven years and I wanted to do something for my birthday that was special and different. And at that point, I was like, well, I really want to do something special. So I ended up booking a ticket to Paris solo for my 40th. And that inspired me because I remember crying when I booked because I had never taken a vacation for myself. And I thought, how did I get so wrapped up in working trying to get to the next level and not taking any time for myself. So that inspired me to go, well, what else am I allowing my fear to stop me from? Do you know what I mean? So that's when I vowed I'm going to spend 40 days doing 40 fearless acts and I'm going to take advantage and I'm going to make different choices in my life. And I didn't want to plan it. I wanted it to be very spontaneous. I was like, what would happen if I got up in front of the subway and I started to sing it with my guitar? I mean, I can go on. I, I have a, po a podcast of all the things that I did. I, it ended up taking me a full year. It was the most extraordinary transformational time in my life where I couldn't believe how magical and incredible life is. That's where I learned we are not meant to be happy all the time. We are actually meant to feel a whole spectrum of emotions. That's what it means to be alive. What I realized is you cannot hold happiness because what happens when we step into fear is we get this immediate adrenaline rush and it feels so exciting. And then what would happen is like towards the end of the day, I ended up like crying and I would be like, why am I crying? And this kept happening, this pattern. It's because I had to empty out to fill up again. And I'd be like, why is this happening? And then I realized we are meant to feel. We are sentient beings. Like it's really, it was so powerful. And then maybe a year later was talking to somebody about it. And this woman was like, you need to teach this for women. You need to help others find this. Because, and the other thing was, it's not like I had tons of money. Like you look at somebody like an eat, pray, love, right? Like a Liz Gilbert who had this extraordinary time, but that takes a lot of money to go and travel to those. Yes. There's a, there's a big part of privilege that comes with that. Exactly. There's a certain privilege. I was literally showing up every day and asking myself, what do I want to do today? What sounds like fun? What scares me? I even walked into Planned Parenthood and decided to give a meditation to the women in the waiting room because I thought, I remember being that girl when I first moved to New York and not having insurance and how scary it was to walk in there and wait in the waiting room. And it was just so incredible to understand like where the fear showed up. Just knocking on people's door in my apartment building, I wanted to introduce myself to everyone. I couldn't believe how scared I was. My heart was round. But like, and I'm like, what is this about? It's because it was about being rejected. Like I had this fear of rejection. And it was like incredible how my body, all of our bodies store our stories of our lives, every moment of our life. Sometimes the thought of doing it is induces more fear than actually doing it. 
we, I guess we all need to listen to Charlene's podcast. He brought all the fearful things he did. Exactly. But no, but I love that you brought up like the whole, the beauty of having you on the show is for people that don't have the privilege to bring, have someone like you, it's so interesting to maybe get a taste of what a bit of your service does entail. And then going a, a bit more in depth when it comes to that, especially if, you know, someone's working on their career or their personal brand and how they can take their, their own journey to the next level. Absolutely. And one of the things that even you brought up, which is that we're not just talking about workplace, we're talking about your whole life. Like where one area is lacking, another area is also lacking. One of the things that I did actually when I was in corporate, because I'll never forget this mentor, she said something like, be a star where you are. That spoke to me because at the time I was pursuing music and I just thought, be a star. And at the time I was scheduling promos. It was a very mundane job, no creative at all. And I thought, you know what I can do? And it just came to me. I started to do a newsletter. It was called the Cube Chronicles because we were all in cubicles. And I made it this very fun, silly, very me, like lighthearted where we included everybody. I did interviews with, I just, it was like something I can do to channel my creativity where I could actually say, hey, I'm not just sitting here doing mundane work. I'm actually bringing part of myself that I think is very unique that felt fun and exciting. And it made the job fun and exciting. And I was connecting the community of other people in the cubicles who maybe didn't want to be there either, but we all had a good laugh with it. So I would also say that's something you can think about. Be a star where you are. Like, what is it that you do that's really unique that you can maybe offer where you are right now? Because you just never know. I think what is so special about all of us is the things that make us unique. And that's one of the things that I always talk about with my clients is like, what is something that, because it's really about finding those areas in our lives or, or parts of ourselves that we keep hidden and really allowing them to shine. That's when we feel alive. That's when we feel amazing. I, I've struggled with stillness. So I had a pretty aggressive travel schedule pre-pandemic. I was actually flying home on March 13th and it took time to get to that awareness. So for instance, for someone like me or anyone in general, what do you think that first step is to getting aware? Yeah, I would say I'm a big component or a proponent of keeping promises to yourself. So honoring like I'm going to take 10 minutes every day to either one, do a gratitude list which you can do in tandem or two, some sort of a either meditation or walking in nature is like by far the most expansive experience and really allowing yourself yeah, yeah. having, yeah, having an intention, like I'm going to really just be present. So I'm going to see how many colors I can see on this walk. You know what I mean? Cause we can always take with us that mindset where we're just like, replaying all the lists in our head and then it's not a meditation. And then you start to really see and feel this expansiveness in your mind because you really are just being present with what is. So any way that you can be present could be something like exercise. It could be a yoga practice. It could be dancing. And a lot of people say like, how do I stay joyful? Because I literally dance every day, even if it's to one song, two songs while I'm making my Nespresso. I've got music in the background and I'm dancing and it's just a way for me to feel lighter and to connect yeah, to the thing yeah. that makes me feel joy. Yeah, I discovered a beautiful uh, duck pond that I started jogging around and it was just very mm -hmm. transformative mm -hmm. for me too. I'm like, who knew I even like this? 
But I want to shift into fear because, I mean, it's such an important component, I guess, of what you're about, right? You call yourself a fearless coach. Mm -hmm. How do you define fear? Well, there's two types of fear. The real, I mean, our reptilian brain, which is like to sense out any sort of danger, like the animalistic fear where you are physically in danger. And then there's the perceived danger, which is what a lot of people do. So we're always seeking out ways that something bad could happen. So that's stopping us from ever stepping in to any new areas, like it keeps us safe. So one is a perception of danger and one is like a real threat of physical danger. And what I even realized doing the fearless journey was that your body doesn't know the difference. So when you perceive fear, I'm reacting as if I'm literally going to have a, a panic attack because your body is literally sending, you're sending messages that you are physically in danger. So it is very important that we understand what the perception we're thinking is actually triggering our bodies to react in a certain way, which is why a lot of people stress, anxiety, like you're living in that for the majority of your day. You don't even realize fight or flight. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think fear is like a fear drives us, right? And especially a big driver for imposter syndrome, right? And I think you, you brought up imposter syndrome already. According to the Journal of Behavioral Science, 70% of people have felt imposter syndrome at some point in their life. What do you think the drive, like the drivers for this are? And what are the fears that lead to imposter syndrome? I think everybody has experienced it. Maybe you don't admit it, but yeah, it's, it's just a fear of not being good enough, not disappointing. You know, that's all it is. And we all have that. It's just, what area of our lives do we feel that? Do you know? Some people don't have it in work. Some people have it in personal relationships. Some people have it in, it just depends. I think the, the quickest way to kind of recognize or to walk yourself out of that is to recognize that it's just a thought. And so to kind of label that thought, right? So if it's like, for instance, Tony Robbins, and actually quite a number of, I don't know, motivational coaches say this, which is to kind of give your sort of negative thoughts, give it a name so that you, it, so it doesn't have power over you. So you're essentially just going, oh, you're nothing. You're like stressful Sally. Here's stressful Sally talking to me again, or anxious Amanda, my God, like enough already. So it's, you're literally separating that thought and that, that pattern away from you, because that's not really who you are. It's just a perceived sort of belief system that's been running in the background for a long time, but it's not really who you are. Yeah. I never realized how uh, paralyzing fear can be and how, how powerful our mind is. You think I have the education, I have the qualities, I have the experience. And sometimes that fear kicks in. It's, oh, no, that's not for me. No, I'm not smart enough. Personifying these feelings, I think that's a really good tip. What are some other tips you've given to clients about fighting through their fear? Give fear a voice. So journal out what your fear is telling you. Usually the reason why it's persisting so much is because we're just trying to squish it down. We don't want to feel it. We don't want to know it's there. We want, and again, what resists persists. So give your fear the stage. I mean, I do this all the time, but one of the things that I do is I write down all of my like worst case scenarios just so I see them on paper. And then I'm like, oh, I did that before I moved back home. I think journaling used to get a bad rep. It really came off soft. It came off and... I think now it's it's grown 
in, it's, it's being discussed more, just like mental wellness, right? Ooh, soft, it's a little taboo. And now journaling is actually being seen as a practical thing to do with your thoughts and your fears. So I love that you brought that up. Shifting a little bit with more of a corporate look at it, when I think about like fear in the workplace or a fear-based workplace, it could sometimes include for employees not being able to speak the truth or employees being focused on like the goals and succeeding alone rather than collaborating with teammates and that competitive, very like cutthroat environment. And then sometimes also just having anxiety about like, losing a job and feeling like you have to perform and being at your top and worrying about like the worst case scenario. And I don't know if you've had any clients that have exhibited fear like that within the workplace. What are some coping mechanisms that you think uh, would be useful for someone that feels this way? And maybe do you have any steps that they could take towards like lessening that anxiety and that fear around that? Yeah. I mean, really all anxiety is just your perpetuating something that could possibly happen that you think is bad. That's all it is. So I would always direct people to get into the present. So what do you know for sure right now? Like right now, you're okay right now. You have, you have health. And so I would go down to gratitude and build on that. What do you know that's truthful now that's happening right now that hasn't happened yet? And it probably won't, but let's focus on the now, right? We don't realize how powerful our energy is. Let's give the ego a higher job. And really start to walk ourselves back into the present. What do you know now that's true for you? And then from that space, go. I agree. Energy is so important, right? And you, and once you shift your energy and you start giving off better energy, I noticed like for me, I started attracting like-minded individuals. And then I eventually found my own tribe, like within Transperfect. I found a tribe here and we spoke up on things that we, we wanted to see as employees. And we tried to figure out like, how can we bring other people along and how can we continue to create a safe space as managers and leaders? Daniel Pink wrote a book called Drive. It's like the surprising truth about what motivates us. And according to him, there are three levels, right? Survive, seek reward and avoid punishment seek autonomy, mastery, purpose. So me, I like, I, I would classify myself as a pretty motivated person. And I think about what's driven me, right? First generation college, daughter of immigrants. So that was like a big driver for me. For people that are not as inherently motivated, how would you think individuals can apply your techniques to not feel so stuck or to just speak up a little bit more? I mean, I don't think everyone wants to be a senior executive or those things. We don't all want the same things, but there is a way that you can come to work and be your best self. And there are a lot of people that probably are not, right? Well, I think one of the questions I ask first and foremost is what were your dreams when you were a little girl or a little boy or when you were growing up? What did you want to be? That gives us clues. What do you do in, the, in your free time that brings you joy? What lights you up? When was the last time you laughed so hard that you're, you cried? I mean, these are all clues and ways for us to get curious. Like, what was that thing? Let's bring more of that out. Sometimes I was working with a client recently who was getting frustrated in the dating scene. And I said, she loves flowers and making floral arrangements. I'm like, you're going to go live on Instagram and you're going to teach us how to do this. Because she, it was something that just came naturally for her. She loves doing it. And she was just like, what? She kind of looked at me like I was crazy. I said, I want you to do this. She did it. And can I just tell you afterwards, she was like, I just felt so lit up 
because she didn't realize that was a part of her she was hiding from the world. You see what I mean? So it's about finding those things that make you and bringing them out into the world. And then you start to feel this like magnetism and, and electricity and then more inspiration flows. So that's why I think action is so important. It's about fearless action. I mean, yes, we start with the awareness and asking those questions and shifting those beliefs. And then it's about taking that action. And then from there, people get all inspired and excited and they end up doing five other things that weren't even on the list. People don't realize that stepping into fear is fun. It is fun. That is what I bring to the table is this is about a fun, fearless journey. This is not about like hard hitting, like crying all the time. It's about having the most joy while you're doing the things that you love. That's what we came here to do. I'm very interested in the work you did with your clients with the pandemic, the amount of anxiety and mental health issues out the roof. People were losing their jobs, worried about the status of their position and even adjusting to the new work environment. And then if they had kids, ooh, dealing with those constraints, how were you able to work through some of these things with your clients? Well, a lot of it was about being seen. A lot of the fearless acts revolved around that. I will say that one one client in particular found me and she was in a, she actually took some time off work because she was, had a lot of anxiety and depression and things like that. And first thing that I did was like, please tell me like all the times in your life that you felt like you were guided by something bigger than yourself. Meaning again, it's that, that quote of we make a plan and God laughs. Like most of our, the things that really meant the most of us happened by pure chance or happened what we would call like spontaneously or, oh my God, that was a coincidence. But really when you look back in your life, you've always been guided. So I'm really interested in getting people to understand that we don't have to do this alone. So let's like lean back a little bit, let go of the, the wheel, so to speak, and have a little bit more of some trust. So I'm trying to get my clients to kind of understand that they're more powerful than they realize. We all are. We are co-creating our lives. So when you start to look back and you think of all those times, and she was like, that exercise made me realize like the most extraordinary things that happened in my life, I didn't plan. They happened by quote unquote chance because whatever happened. Oh, another thing that I do is I, I have um, my clients ask the people like five or six people that they're closest to write down all the qualities that they love about them, things that they admire. Them. And most people talk about imposter syndrome. Most people are afraid to know what they really think of them. In a high regard, it's not in a negative, it's a high regard. So once I had her do that, and then she really started to see, wow, I had no idea people thought of me in this way. And that, that the concerns that they had for her were the ones that she had for herself. But that's another thing. We think people don't notice. <laughs> people love us and they want us to be happy. So it was like a really beautiful. So then she started to really get the hang of, oh, I can do this. And then it was about rebuilding that trust within herself. I'm big on keeping promises to yourself. That's how you build integrity. And when you have integrity with yourself, you can go to bed at night going, I feel good about myself. I did the things I said I was going to do. It's so interesting um, when you get so caught up in the corporate world, you're just doing your job. And one would think that we would be fearful of the criticisms, but sometimes it's, ooh, I got a little uncomfortable with the compliments and being able to accept that and realize like that is your reality. You are smart. You are resourceful. 
own it. But what about for people that are entering a new workspace, a new, like, I think it's been amazing. While many people have lost their jobs, I feel like the market has picked up and I'm so happy to see companies are hiring and the world is getting to a place where it can move. What are some ways that people can conquer that fear of a new work environment or getting over job loss or that anxiety? I would say honor that. It's coming up for a reason. And then really get into a space of, okay, well, how do I want this new job to to be? How do I want to feel every day? What kind of environment like excites me? Who do I want to work with? Because we're co-creators, we have that power to put that out there. Because there's two ways you can live. You can live by default, everything that's happening to you, and you just are making the best of it. Or you can live by design. And it is way more fun to live by design. So you preemptively do that by, you want to think of the essence of what you want. It's not about the condition or the circumstance, because again, that's like wanting something to make you feel a certain way. We want to feel a certain way and then it it attracts that certain something. Does that make sense? Letting go of how it's going to look, trusting it will show up as it should. I do. I do like the thought of sometimes we just wait for life to happen to us and we're less proactive about it, but we do. Some of us are very forgetful of our power. So I like that a lot. For any leaders or managers or those with power that have the ability to change a a corporate space or environment, do you have any tips or advice on how they can change? I mean, I love empowering your people, like empower people to be the best versions of themselves. Like we all want to be seen. We all want to be heard. We want to know that we're valued. So if you're a leader, like what a beautiful position to be in because you're, you get to be the one in charge that people are looking up to doing some sort of team building something where you're, and then also I love the idea we used to have, like, I can't remember what it was called, but every Wednesday we had a suite. Everybody brought in a suite and we would get together around four o'clock and we would all share like something we made or something we bought, but it had a story. So that was like a beautiful way for all of us to kind of shine. Some of us, or even if you just love sweets, whatever, but it was like a community thing that was different. That wasn't about the office and it wasn't about what we were working on. People really went and like cooked something or brought something that was like from their family or an old recipe. And I just loved that. And that was so unique to that job. So a leader can bring in anything to get the community that just to let you know, just to let your people know that you care. And when you know that, just like any child feels cared for. Yeah, I think I use this expression. It's called you need to walk your talk, right? And there are so many vague and fluffy concepts that are thrown around in the corporate space when it comes to culture and diversity and inclusion and safe spaces. And I find it transperfect. We've definitely made a conscious effort to do that with our affinity groups, like revved up and on fire more than ever. And just overall, like live well campaigns that are just actively thinking about our employees outside of their core job, recognizing that the professional life is just part of who the person is. And if the person feels great, they're going to perform great. Give to them, they'll give back to you and realizing it's a very much a symbiotic relationship. So I love that. I love that. Another thing you brought up or what we've brought up and discussed is success. The term success 
graduated from college. I want to be this or I'm going to do this. And then you move throughout your career and your interests change and your goals change. And sometimes even though you acknowledge that those things have changed, you're still holding on to what you define as success and you're holding on to these old dreams and you're like, that's who I have to be. I'm interested to know how you define success. Yeah. I mean, I, that's a beautiful question. And I'm glad you asked that because I had a real turning point when I was in college and I thought success was about the things and the wealth and what my parents told me and what, what our culture tells us. And one day this woman gets up and starts talking about, she lived on a farm and she grew all her food and da, da, da. And, and she's, my definition of success is different. There's a room of 200 people. And that hit me in my heart. Cause I said, you mean there's a different definition of success? You know what I mean? Like, I just was blown away. I was like, you mean I can define success for myself? And that is what I would say my definition is. You get to define what success means. You get to define it. So I would say the success means to me, which Maya Angelou has a beautiful quote, which is success is liking what you do, liking how you do it and liking who you are. And so I'm successful. Snaps to that. I love that. I love that. That's a great quote. How do you see the whole concept of fear and anxiety evolving? You know, what I think during this past year and a half, I think people got way more into talking about it. It became way less taboo. No, you know, the word that keeps coming to mind when you say that is grace and share their vulnerability. It's not going to be taboo anymore. That's what I see we're moving towards with social media, with YouTube. I mean, I have nieces and nephews. That whole generation is brought up watching people share who they are on social media, on YouTube. We never, I never had that. So they're just much more comfortable sharing how they feel. And I think that we're adults in the corporate world. I think we're starting to get a little bit more comfortable in even admitting to ourselves that we're feeling even a little bit afraid or even feeling sadness or whatever. So that is starting to really, I see that opening up. I definitely hope, I definitely hope vulnerability is, is more normalized and less seen as a sign of weakness and more of a sign of awareness. Oh, it's the most beautiful quality that we all can learn from. It is our most, it is like our heart speaking in real time. And so how anybody can call it weakness, that is the opposite of what it is. It is so much strength and so much courage to admit what is really true for you in each moment. So honor that. Yeah. Charlene, you are amazing. It was, it was so nice chatting with you. I think it was great to, I mean, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about not only fear, but corporate fear and, and conquering that. I think People will listen to you and, and will definitely try to want to get to know more about you and some of your services. So where can they go to learn more about you? Yeah, my website, charlenelight.com. The last name is L-I-T-E, spelled like the beer. And then also on Instagram. And aside from my you know fearless coaching, I'm now doing soul readings and belief clearings. And so you can do a one-off session with me. And that's been just incredible. I just love the work that I do. And I'm also still teaching yoga. I would love to hear from you. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Some people appear to be more confident than others. 
but we have way more in common than you think. Get in touch with your emotions, make a plan, execute, find your tribe, talk to coworkers, talk to your manager. The tools that Charlene and I discussed are things that anyone can use in and out of the workplace. If you want to hear more from Charlene, you can check out her podcast, The Fearless Lady. To win a free fearless coaching session with Charlene, write a review for next podcast within 30 days of this episode airing and email us a screenshot at nextpodcast at transperfect.com and we'll draw a winner from there. Until next time, be kind to yourselves and be kind to each other. If you made it to the end of this episode, thank you and be sure to keep listening. Also, make sure you hit the like button and subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you can listen to the latest episodes of Next. And if you have a question, comment, or suggestion, or you just want to tell us how much you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at nextpodcast at transperfect.com or visit nextpodcast.transperfect.com.